22 men run around the football pitch and after 90 minutes Argentina beat Mexico. Welcome to Hand of Pot. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 354 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. This week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome. And Andres. Hello and welcome also. Welcome back, gents. Uh, don't forget that we are sponsored, sorry to talk over you there, Dan, uh, sponsored by Fanatis. Uh, we are um, uh, pushing this at you because it's the best service available for our listeners, who presumably would also like to be viewers of Argentine football. Uh, and with Fanatis, if you're anywhere outside Argentina, you can watch the Superliga, the Copa Argentina, which is edging towards its final phases, slowly but surely, um, and sometimes not with particularly well-publicised matches. That's not the point. The, the fault of Fanatis, it's the fault of the organisers. Um, and the Copa Superliga, when it eventually gets going later in the season. If you're in the United States, you can also watch live Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana and a bunch of other European competitions as well. Plus, they've got comp- uh, domestic competitions from Colombia, Bolivia and other places in South America, uh, live and on demand for the whole world. Another thing that you get is TIC, um on demand, which I believe means that if you want to watch yesterday's epic 10-hour special dedicated to the career of Diego Maradona, yes, you heard that correctly, they, they put on a 10-hour special, um, then I think you can get it uh, on demand via Fanatis platform. Uh, if you want to check this out, then you get a seven-day free trial, uh, followed by 20% off your first three months with the service by going to fntz.co slash H-O-P and using the discount code H-O-P-F-Z. And if you sign up uh, before Sunday on at 11am Argentine time, or 3pm British mm. summertime, you'll be able to see Maradona in the flesh, on the bench, in an Argentine stadium. You will indeed. It's his managerial debut with Gimnasia this weekend. Also, I think I'm right in saying that we've got the Classico Rosarino coming up this we week. We do, yes. yes. Um, so two very good reasons to get signed up in the next few days if you've not already done so. Andres wants to say something. Just as an example of what you can, could see if you subscribe to, to Fernandes uh, about this special uh, episode or about the career of Maradona, the 10 hours special, I, I got a little bit of it and they had, uh, uh, for example, almost golazos. Mm. Yes, I must admit I turned off about 10 minutes into the almost Galassa section. I, it was a bit much for me. I, I didn't watch any of it. I, I have to, I've, I've been doing, uh, I've, I've got a pretty big proofreading job on at the moment. And if I actually pay attention to the television, then, I mean, it's impossible to proofread and pay attention to the television at the same time. Yeah. So I had a little bit of it on in the background, but I didn't actually end up seeing any of it. Another thing about... Uh, Copa Argentina, because you mentioned it uh, uh, as one of the competitions you could watch there, is that I think next Wednesday River will be playing against Cody Cruz, that is confirmed. Mm. I don't remember the, the venue, but it is confirmed that it will be next Wednesday. Lanús Stadium, I think, is the ah, venue. Okay. Uh, unusually, one of the... Um, Who made that decision? Not the big five, let's say, but the two giants uh, are actually playing in Greater Buenos Aires in the Copa Argentina, which is a bit weird. But they're playing in San Luis or San Juan or... I mean, that that would be the time when they're playing against the big Mendocino club. Indeed. Um, And another thing that you'll be able to watch quite soon, we've got a confirmed date, although I can't remember what that date is, is Mm -hmm. the... They seem to have taken to calling it the Copa de Campeones now, the Champions Cup, but it's, it's the thing between the winners of last season's Superliga and Copa Superliga. I am racing against Tigre. Uh, I can't, as I said, can't remember what the date is. We do know that the venue is going to have the word Plata in it because they've decided they're either going to play in La Plata or in Mar del Plata. Oh, um, but yeah, the rest of it, I assume that you'll be able to catch that on Fanatis as well. So once again, the address 
if you want to get signed up is fntz.co slash hop so it's and not going to be Supercopa Super de la Superliga now. It might be. I, I saw somebody calling it the Copa de Campeones on, on Twitter, and I wasn't quite sure whether they were being sarcastic or not. Uh, and the discount code is HOPFZ. We have got two matches to talk about in some depth um, this week. They're both Argentina matches. Oh, I suppose we could talk about the under-23s as well, couldn't we, if you guys caught any of them? I didn't watch any of it, to be honest, but okay. if you want, we can we um, go. But the, the, national, the full national team uh, have played two games, one of which was a nil-nil draw against Chile. It was rather dull. It took place in the Coliseum, but we were not entertained. Ha! Right? Yeah, thank you. Good. So preparing Good. that for the last few days. Um, and the other was a rather more spirited... 4-0 uh, wasn't it yeah. yes 4-0 uh, yes. win over Mexico with all of the goals coming in the first half and a Lautaro Martinez hat-trick among them we can say that once more uh, a kid from Bahia Blanca has conquered hearts in San Antonio yes let's see if after Manuel Ginoli Oh yes, who right. spent got, yes. You know, fifty years playing for the Spurs. Yeah, uh, it, it mostly confused me because I completely forgot that that game was in San Antonio as well. But, uh, yeah. And he was and close to, to uh, get a, a world, I think, a world, a world record, but uh, or it, a record because uh, he scored three and he could have scored four if he had uh, taken the penalty mm. finally taken by Paredes, who I which, think he talked with with. At which point he was still slightly counterfactual there, because yeah, he scored his third afterwards. But. Yeah, um, Argentina's uh, third goal was a penalty which Lautaro Martinez very kindly allowed somebody else to take. Um, I don't know if did he want to? Like it seemed like he did grab the ball in the first place. Oh, did and he? Then sort of thought, oh, all right, I'll give it to someone else. I think he was fairly because uh, he would have been the first choice penalty taker. I'm guessing in normal circumstances, yeah. had he not scored twice. Okay, yeah, I'd say so. It's only a friendly anyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, it does mean that Mexico's run without a victory against Argentina now stretches back to about 1797 or something. Um, or Before Argentina like even existed. I think it's 10 games uh, since Oof. they last beat them in, but, obviously, competitions or in friendlies. But Lautaro Martínez, I think we will talk about this in a minute, but Lautaro Martínez was touched even when it was a friendly because of he, the opportunities he's been... He's op- He's uh, taking and, and, well, of course, taking advantage of like, mm. um, Now, at this point, even uh, taking it around, it was a, a friendly and a, against a very weak Mexican side, I think. Um, today, if you, if you ask anyone who should be the, the striker of national team, now they will tell you Lautaro Martinez. I mean, I've been saying this for 18 months, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> I'm happy for, for people to, you know, he catch has, up, get on the bus. He now has, is it nine goals? Nine. Nine in goals games. in 13 appearances for Argentina. And um, perhaps even more impressively, this year, it's nine goals in eight, isn't it? I, I think his second goal made it eight in eight. So, yeah. Um, I can't remember if he, he scored one. six and six at one point during the Copa America. I can't remember if he scored one before... Um, before 2019, because he did play a couple of minutes. Ah, yeah, you might be right. But they, uh, he's hands down the top scorer under Scaloni. That's, he is. That's um, one stat we don't need to look up. And in the post-golden kind of golden era uh, of the Argentine national side, i.e. post-about the 1940s and early 1950s, uh, the only player with a comparable number of goals to Lautaro Martinez from his first 13 matches in an Argentina shirt is Gabriel Batistuta. There's one other I saw, Luis Artime. Ah, yes, he was a bit later as well, wasn't he? But th- there are a whole bunch of players, actually, who've scored like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and in one case, 15 goals in their first 13 Argentina games. <laughs> uh, but apart from those two, Batistuta and Artime, pretty much all of the others are from that era when... Argentina were just picking yeah. up Copas America in the 1940s for fun and Alfredo Di Stefano made six appearances scored six goals won a Copa America and then buggered off to Colombia Indeed. Um, so yeah it, it's uh, epoch making stuff yes from young Lautaro on a more general note I must admit I can't remember almost anything from the Chile game firstly because it was a crap game 
Secondly, because they put it on at some ungodly hour on Thursday night, I think it kicked off See, at half eleven. Right, this is the thing. If that happens in Argentine domestic competition, my Twitter timeline fills up with Argentines complaining about how South American, you know, Combebol or the AFA can't organise competitions properly, there are always delays to kick off and stuff. And yet mm-hmm. it seems to happen every bloody time we see a friendly taking place yes. in the United States. Kick yeah, off I mean, I can sort that, of understand that game was it playing originally in, yeah. scheduled for 11 o'clock. And about, I think, a few hours before kickoff, they announced it was going to happen at half past 11 instead. And then it actually kicked off at like, obviously, this is our time rather than local time. Um, and it actually kicked off at about 20 to 12. Yeah, I mean, we'd have to ask Roger Champagne yes. what exactly was going on. Similar with that. to Mexico's game, it was uh, 11 10, I think, mm. that started. Uh, yeah, and that was also advertised as just 11 o'clock Argentine Indeed. time kickoff. Uh, and yeah, one of the, the key takeaways from the Chile game was that uh, a gentleman called Roger Champagne was the organiser. He apparently, uh, thank you very much to Ursus Arctos for pointing this out to me on, on Twitter by sending me an article about it, um, got almost kind of hoodwinked into organising it by the AFA or by somebody or other when the original organisers pulled out. And he was told... It'll be a piece of piss to sell tickets here. It's an Argentina-friendly. Lionel Messi will be involved. This was back in April, apparently, when he signed the contract for it. Um, you know, it, it'll be <laughs> it'll be really, really easy. I've got some magic beans to send you here. Um, so he took the job off, and then, of course, Messi got suspended and probably wasn't going to be involved in the friendly, even if he hadn't been suspended. No. And it turned out that, um, actually, you can barely break even. But there was a... I, I put it on Twitter, and, and one of our friends who's a Peruvian correspondent got slightly offended but it was a copper Peru sized crowd in, Very possibly, in the yes. Los Angeles Coliseum which is it, quite a big stadium it definitely wasn't a vintage game we could say although I think oh very good right yeah champagne <laughs> uh, I, I think that we, there were some things to learn from it I mean obviously it wasn't entertaining but that doesn't mean that the managers can't take anything away from no, it no no of course and one of them um, which we learned from that friendly and then which we also uh, was also on display against Mexico as well um, and I think in a way is, is even more encouraging than Lautaro Martinez's brilliance um, is the solidity and the, the way that uh, that midfield duo I would say of Leandro Paredes and Rodrigo De Pau um, mm. continue to gel together I mean they really came together as a unit during the Copa America and it's clear now that they've got a fantastic understanding, not just when they're sitting back and when they're trying to, to start the play from deep together, but also driving up the pitch together as well. They, they seem to play very well off one another. Yeah, completely. And they were, of course, complemented in the Mexico game with a stellar performance. It's the only way I think it's fair to, to describe it from Ezequiel Palacios. Mm, who came in to replace Giovanni Lo Celso, who picked up a, a bit of a knock. Yeah, I mean, him. I think he would have been there anyway because he... He would have got into the Copa America squad, I'm pretty sure, but he had his own injury yes. prior to that. Yeah, yeah. There was um, a particular play, I think, between also McAllister that the Paul couldn't finish. Oh, that was a fantastic! Yes. Yeah, it was shades of um, of Serbia 2006 in that move. Mm. It just went all across the field. Um, Palacios, yeah, I, I like to like he's kind of this midfielder that Argentina have been looking for for years, but haven't really had in the sense that it's a guy. He, a guy who goes both ways. He just runs up and down the pitch. He contributes uh, to every phase. His passing is fantastic. He runs. He he does everything uh, around and, the pitch. And as Andres just just mentioned in passing, there Alexis Macalister also yes got his first start encouraged. for Argentina, and he wasn't quite on the level of the other three midfielders we've just mentioned, uh, but he was also you know quietly yeah. decent. And I find this. It, it, it's all a bit discombobulating to discuss because for such a long time, we and I, probably I've been the most vocal person about this even before, right before the Copa America, have been saying Argentina don't have any elite level midfielders. And okay, mm-hmm. none of these guys are quite at the elite level just yet. But all of a sudden, actually, Argentina's midfield starts to look like potentially the strongest part of the pitch yes. that, that isn't. Yes, they're all very good in the twenty-five rounder, which is yeah. very encouraging. I mean, Palacios is twenty. Macalister is 19 20. or 20, isn't he? Yeah. 20. But it's a strange case, uh, the case of Macalister, because I don't remember having played so fluently when he was at Argentina Juniors. He had there his good matches, but he had also his bad matches. I, I mean, I, um, I said when um, in January when Boca signed Kevin Macalister uh, that I thought that, that Boca had signed 
on the face of it, the best of the McAllister brothers at that point. Um, but I do think that one thing that was fairly clear going forward for Argentinos was that sometimes he was let down by the fact that he was playing for Argentinos. It's not easy, Argentinos yeah. players around him getting on the ends of his passes. Um, so I'm not too surprised that since moving to Boca, uh, he's managed to keep up that level more consistently. I think he improved it even, not mm-hmm. only maintain or oh, keep. definitely, yeah. I mean, he's, he's really stepped up as well, which, again, is promising for the national team. I mean, yes. if, if moving to a, no offence to Argentinos, but to a bigger team <laughs> um, is going to improve his performances, then good news for Argentina. Potentially not quite such good news for Brighton because I, I think Boca are probably a slightly bigger club than Brighton yeah no offense now, but, arguably um, yes Boca started uh, uh, I think buying or, or completing the, the buy of their transferences or transfers sorry about, I think not MacGyver but Lisandro Lopez for example and I don't remember the other one are two players that for sure Boca will uh, go for the option when we, we say here did I see something yesterday on the day before saying that they, they bought out uh, the entirety of Ramon Abina? I, yes. I thought they already had him. But no, not the, the 100% of it. Now it's totally a uh, 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 property of Boca and uh-huh. the same for Lopez, Jason Lopez. And I, I assume that Magalhães will... Well, Magalhães is only on loan for Brighton. Oh, yes. um, I think they're waiting for the, the um, what's it called, the work permit to come through, which presumably the fact that he's now featured in off the bench in the first game, right? And, and got a start in, uh, yes, in, that know, will in help. the second game of this tour. is going to help the work permit. Definitely. I must say, though, possibly the most, one of the most encouraging aspects, at least, of these two friendlies uh, would not be one of the goal scorers or one of these creative players, but a defender. A defender who came into the Argentina team and actually defended in both games, Lucas Martinez Cuarta, who I thought was... Very accomplished indeed. Yes. Given, of course, an extremely low bar uh, one has to clear to impress as an Argentina defender. Particularly when you've got Nicolás Otamendi alongside you. And Marcos Rojo, of course, in the second game. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. Marcos Rojo's brilliant. But, <laughs> was that his first game for, what, two years? It, yes, it was. As, as, as I think we said when the squad list was announced, it, a bit of a weird call-up. Uh, particularly when you want to try out young new people as Scaloni made a point of saying as well after the um, after the Chile game we're going to be fielding a young fresh team yeah. uh, against Mexico and then you name a, I mean Rojas what 31 now I uh, think 31 no he's 29 back. actually is he? yeah Plus I was surprised 10. as well I saw it on one of these um, websites <laughs> as the kids call them these I days. still can't believe um, he was yeah he's under 30 still because he was because he what he started uh, did he play the 2010 World Cup or am I getting confused? I don't think he did. No. Or possibly 2011, the Copa America, and I think he was 20 mm, then. That could have been. That sounds Maybe. plausible. Because yes. he was involved in the Estudiantes side, the one that he had to Doris in 2009. When he was uh, yeah. very young, yes. 19, in fact. Yeah. If we take 10 yeah, years of off course. Yeah, the current day. Right, yeah. Wow. Maths, eh? Indeed. I it is can, amazing. I still can't believe it was for him that Argentina qualified to the round of 16. Yes. That's a com- Thanks for that goal. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, yes, Martinez Cuarta thought was very um, very impressive at mm. the heart of defence. Yes. Yeah, if he, he's a strange one. I, I honestly thought, how long has he been in the River team now? Two years? Yes, more or less. Yeah, two, two and a half. I yeah. thought that by now he would have taken the step up. It hasn't come quite yet. Oh, I know he's had injuries. He's had injuries, that doping, suspension, and whatnot. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean him, Palacios, Montiel, who I must say are still not convinced on the right or defense, at least for the Argentina team. But he's not a bad player by any means. Those three in particular might well be moving in December, right? Yes, it so wouldn't yeah. surprise yeah. me. Well, has been linked with Milan. Uh, the place where promising defenders go to die yes indeed uh, Franco Armani also featured against uh, Chile which meant that there were four River Plate players on the pitch for mm. Argentina four current River Plate players and when it happened I was st- no, it was I it happened as a result of a sub didn't it wasn't Marcus Marcus played Marcus played yes, oh yes. Armani didn't play so hang on but there were definitely there were four current River players on the pitch at one point against Mexico after Palacios came on in the second we half we had Martinez Cuarta um, Montiel, Montiel Palacios and I'm um, sure there was somebody else or maybe I got confused and thought that Andrada was playing but when 
And the this, this isn't Armani wasn't playing. Sorry, that's not it. Even more confused. What's going on? But it's going off the rest. When when was the last time? This isn't a trivia question. I don't know the answer. <laughs> when was the last time that an Argentine club had three of their current players playing for Argentina? It feels like a very long time ago. Well, you'd have to I, discount those. I said, when, I, when I came up with this question, selling, yeah. I, I thought that it was four players, which is probably much more difficult to find. Uh, it's three probably happened in the local selecciones and whatnot. Oh yeah, but not counting that. Like the actual proper full national team. I don't have an answer. And during the World Cup, because uh, during the last uh, 2018 World Cup, there was Armani, for example, and Enzo Perez. Uh, yeah. I don't remember for a local team or not national team from the from Argentina mm. uh, to have these these things. But uh, yes, three or four is more strange even. Yeah. Stranger. Um, I mean, if, it, if it's happened in recent years, then it's going to be the River or Boca, isn't it? Yeah. Provided the players. But um, anyway, if you know. Tweet in, write in, One. let us know. Um, other high points? Other low points? Were there any low points? I thought it was pretty encouraging all round. Really. Well, yeah. like the, I think all the of the, the low point was Mexico because they were pitiful. They were. They managed one shot yes. and that came in the 92nd minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and was a fairly comfortable save. I think save. for Argentina was against Chile that they couldn't uh, play very well and, and it was... It, it, I don't think it's a classical like Scaloni said before the match, but it, it was known that it would be some talking there. It's not a classical, yes. but there was obviously some needle there, wasn't there? Yeah, there was mm. some bad blood. Yes, and, and, and that, of course, uh, pre- pri- uh, didn't let Argentina play the way that they, they did against Mexico, or even when Mexico being quite uh, worse than, than, than Chile as a team. Mm. Uh, strange because Martino. I think that uh, has been a, a decent job so far, but apparently for Mexico was a clearly friendly. Yeah, I think it was 11 games unbeaten for Martino as Mexico manager until um, that happened. Yes. Which just made the performance all the stranger, but I mean, in terms of obviously we don't have a Mexico correspondent on here uh, this evening, um, so we're not going to be able to go into too much detail, but the impression you know that, that we get from down here where we don't get to watch CONCACAF qualifiers, they don't get televised here, unfortunately, um, is that Mexico don't tend to really be tested in CONCACAF, especially when the United States are... Rebuilding? Not being the calm strong, yeah. let's say, uh, diplomatically, given that a very large number of our listeners are in the United States. Yeah, I think that's fair, obviously. Uh, we all know the, the golfing quality between CONCACAF and, and CONCACAF. And it's, it's a problem with Mexico that's been uh, repeated over the years. They spend, you know, 70-80% of their, of their playing schedules uh, against CONCACAF teams. And they're miles and miles ahead of pretty much every other team on the continent. And that's not always the best preparation for, for when you have to take the step up in, in quality. And it's um, not just against the Champions League, isn't it? Yes, that kind of why not? Yeah, phenomenon, or possibly I don't know Auckland City in the in the Club, Club World Cup, Cup or, or something like that. Yeah, but something along those lines. Apparently, there will be a, a, a tougher test uh, in October. It will be on November that the Argentina will play Germany. Uh, that that will be a, a great uh, or greater, I think. Well, you said uh, that, but Germany's results. <laughs> Well, yes, of course. <laughs> well, we'll see. They're not doing great either. I, I, I still think they're probably a better team than Mexico. Yes. Um, but yeah. we will we'll wait and see. They lost the last time, of course, uh, in the 2018 World Cup. They did, that's yes. true, yeah. Apologies to our Mexican listeners. Yeah. Um, Scaloni has said that he's going to take the next international break more seriously. After the Chile game and before the Mexico game, he actually said the results for this time don't matter so much. We just want to look at the players. Next time we'll be looking more um, to actually get the results and to start putting the team together ahead of the uh, World Cup qualifying. Um, who else are they playing, by the way? Because there was this really weird thing last week when the, Vas- the Basque country announced that their friendly against Argentina had been cancelled. And apparently this was a friendly that the Basque country had announced the previous week. And Argentina didn't have a clue what they were A bunch about. of Spanish media had asked the AFA about it, and the AFA had gone, nothing to do well, with us, we don't know about it. It would be very difficult for him to take it more seriously, because now I remember that one of the matches for next international break will be the 9th of October, 
and he will be won't be able to call out call out up any river or river players, cards. yeah. Players, for example. This is true. Oh, okay. Because of the Libertadores, we have to bring out Di Maria back. I think. Fingers crossed that that isn't going to happen. Uh, but we will have to wait and see. Do we have anything else to add in the first half? You wanted to do a very quick rundown of the under 23s. If I oh, remember. I did, didn't I? What happened to the under 23s? I, I think they won two games fairly comfortably. I they couldn't tell you anything about those. I games. actually had the television on for all of that game, but I can't remember how it went, and I can't find a, a thing for Argentina under 23s anyway. I, think they did, so well, I couldn't well. catch any part of it, but I think they defeated Colombia 3 1. They started losing one nil, of course, and then they they got the three one victory. Go on, if I am not wrong. To try, try and keep talking while I frantically scratch. Ah, here we go. They beat. No, that's Mexico again. So where's the? Oh, bloody hell! This app normally lists the youth <laughs> national team as well. It's got the under twenty friendlies listed for Where other countries. Good. Um, but I've not got Argentina's for something. This is an Argentine app. This is absolutely disgraceful. Honestly. Roma and Real Madrid played each other and Roma won on penalties on the 11th of August apparently. oh that was before the season started wasn't it that was ages ago yeah why is that showing up here um, and then we have no it's not showing oh bloody hell Poland and Portugal under 20s played each other uh, and Portugal won 1-0 I can tell you that um, I'm just going to google it it's going to be easier yes yeah yeah you um, have here that the national team under 23 beat Colombia 3-1 that's the one. Thank With you. Working and, and, and getting goals, of course. Was there another one as well? They played two <laughs> games, I'm sure. It was Bolivia 5 nil. I think we talked about that. Ah, about yeah, that, uh, that one I didn't bother watching. But yeah, the, yes. the Colombia one uh, happened. And they yes. won 3-1. Mm-hmm. And not very much to report. Although now that Andres has reminded me of the score, I, I can vaguely remember that Colombia weren't really in it at any point yes it was in Argentina's junior stadium Diego uh, Maradona was, wasn't it Peter was there it's a yes. shame Peter couldn't be on oh, this week because yes. he, he went to that game oh. apparently they played another game as well Go and on. lost against uh, Boca Reserves Crumbs yeah okay. um, it says two days ago that so that would be Tuesday they lost 1-0 it's only two days after they played Colombia yeah because they played Colombia on Sunday yeah that sounds right I'm guessing yeah they Oh, they had a pretty good team, huh? Yeah. So, tell us who was in that um, lineup, Dan. It had a way of Juan Pablo Cosani in goal. The defence made up of Marcelo Herrera, Neuen Perez, Kevin Lomonaco, Claudio Bravo, taking time out from uh, his job as Chile's number one, of course. <laughs> Fausto Vera, Kevin Gutierrez, Nahuel Barrios, Fernando Valenzuela. Julian Alvarez and Julian Carranza. Off the bench came Ezequiel Centurion, Santiago Ascasibar and Ezequiel Ponce. One name that you might have noticed not in there is that of Adolfo Gaich, who has now made his full grown-up Argentina debut. I believe we have a question on this, if we you do. want to save it for um, as, questions. As a very late sub against Mexico, and as Dan quite rightly says, we have had a question on it, so we've, we're not forgetting. We're just going to answer that question we would never admit Geich he's our bread and butter of this podcast indeed yeah plus he could could deck us all if we did forget about it probably Mm. so um, yeah no doubt Um, on that note obviously this is going to be a slightly shorter episode than normal as you'll have noticed now if you glance at your phones while listening and see that we're only 28 minutes in uh, we're going to take a half time break but before we do as suggested by English Dan I'm going to begin a little series of trivia questions for you. Oh, great. Uh, I've got a trivia question, uh, prompted in part by a football trivia group that I'm on uh, on WhatsApp uh, yesterday, in which actually one of our listeners is is also a member on this group. Um, So he already knows the answer, so apologies. Uh, But the question, I'm going to pose it now. When we come back from the break, I'm going to get Dan and Andres to both give me their guesses as Mm -hmm. to who this might be. And then I'll give you... Listeners, I'll give you the rest of the episode to think about it for a bit, and I'll give you the answer at the end, just before we go into Mystic Sound. I will tell you what the answer is. Will my brilliant guess not give the whole game away? Um, I'm hoping it won't do. If one of you gets it right, I'm going to try and remain poker-faced and not tell you whether you're right or not. Okay? It's so, easier on the radio than on TV. Indeed it is, yes. Uh, so the question is, in the men's Argentine national team, mm-hmm. who has made the most appearances... 
without scoring for Argentina at any point. Think about that while we go into this piece of music. So, gents, your guesses, please, for the most capped Argentine not to have scored for Argentina. Uh, I would ask if it had to be an outfield player, but I have a feeling that yeah, this sorry. person would have more caps than the highest cap it's, goalkeeper in any case. Um, I, I, I can tell you that, in fact, the way that I originally worded it, the answer would be Sergio Romero. Yes. Um, um, but, yeah, outfield players only for okay. this question. Interesting. That's... Uh, Fairly decent hint. Uh, yes, I've, we... I've basically just told you that your original guess of Javier Mascherano isn't correct. But that was we, we mentioned all the guess. guess. I, yeah. But uh, we, we did use that during the break anyway. Indeed. Damn. Can we ask the decade? Or is uh, it too nah. easy? I'll give you a couple of clues if neither of if I'll give our listeners a couple of clues after we've heard your two guesses. But you two are supposed to be better educated in this sort of thing. You know, we're, we're meant to be the experts on this show, so it wouldn't be someone like uh, Shamot. I'm going to remain stony-faced and ask okay. Andres for his guess. Well, it could be Pochettino, also. Okay, I'm going to give a couple of clues now. I will tell our listeners who can think about it for the rest of the episode, uh, that the player in question is a midfielder. So we like for who Who has played 61 matches for Argentina. Um, what else can I tell you? He's had two different spells with two different clubs in Argentina, and he has played for three different clubs in Europe. And the rest of it, uh, well, the rest of it being the answer, I will give you, as I say, towards the end of the episode. Um, today, on Thursday, just a few hours ago, we have had the official presentation of and the draw for the first round of the Primera Femenina, which I'm pretty sure I read last month was supposed to kick off this coming weekend, but they're now very calmly announcing that it's kicking off a week on Saturday. Uh, they put it back by a week without actually telling anybody. Um, and it will be... So the teams, first of all, are Y Urquiza, who are the defending champions, Boca Juniors, River Plate, San Lorenzo, Defensores de Belgrano, slash... University of Buenos Aires, same team. Racing, Huracán, Lanús, Platense, Estudiantes, Independiente, El Porvenir, Villa San Carlos, and Excursionistas. Uh, those are the, the teams who stayed in the first division from last season. Um, Gimnasia La Plata uh, and Rosario Central. Oh, sorry, Gimnasia La Plata and a team called Satside who I've never heard of. That sounds like an acronym acronym for some sort of uh, institute or university or something like Uh, that. Yes, like Uh, Cassie for rugby. Those are the two teams who who, who won promotion last season. And Rosario Central are also going to be joining the Primera. Uh, They've just been invited in, I think, because they sort of just off their own bat said oh we're going to offer some professional uh, contracts to to our squad yeah. and so the AFA said well okay would you like to become part of the Primera <laughs> or they said to the AFA can we become part of the Primera if we offer professional contracts the first round of matches is going to consist of excursionistas having the weekend off because there are 17 teams in total um, the other fixtures though that will be played are Platense versus Racing Satsaid versus El Porvenir Villa San Carlos versus Rosario Central, Gimnasia versus Huracán, Lanús versus San Lorenzo, Y Urquiza versus Independiente, Estudiantes versus Defensores de Belgrano. And what that means, if you've been listening carefully and ticking all of these off mentally as we go along, is on the very first weekend of the season, Boca Juniors host River Plate. Wonderful. Um, so, get involved. That's going to be... Some of, four of the matches uh, each weekend are going to be included on the Paquete Football uh, for us 
those of us who've, who pay for the packet de football under us. Um, <laughs> which means that we'll be able to watch it as well. They announced this a few weeks ago. I would assume Boca River will be included in that. And because it's in the packet de football, I, I have to confirm this actually with the guys at Fanatis, but it's possible that you might be able to get it on Fanatis. I'm not sure quite what the deal is there, whether they have just all of TNT Sports and Fox Sports Premium's coverage, or whether that's only for the full games and then they get the TSC uh, as the, the channel that they have all of. Um, I will try and find out, and if it is going to be announced, uh, if it is going to be covered on Fanatis as well, then of course we'll let you know on next week's podcast. Would you like to know who is Satsaida? Yes, go on. It is the Sindicato Argentino de Televisión, Servicios Audiovisuales Interactivas y de Datos. So the, Please translate that on the slide for our listeners. The trade union for television workers. And audiovisual workers. Yes. Because apparently those are different things. Uh, according so to the name of that. And yes. data. So they should get some favourable press, we can imagine. <laughs> yeah, they'll be on every single weekend on the television. Yes. You would think. If I they're think not, then they're not doing their jobs properly. I don't <laughs> think any commentator will say all of all the entire name. Even subside. Great shame if they don't, yes. really. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, anyway, uh, moving on, we're going to preview the upcoming weekend of matches in the Superliga because we don't have any reviewing to do. There are no games for some reason on Friday evening. Um, are they not? No, I'm not sure why. The first game is at quarter past one on Saturday. Uh, but the two big games, we've already told you which games they are, really. Um, we will take them in the order that they are played. And they're both played on Sunday. As Dan already mentioned, one of them is the 11 o'clock kickoff, and that is Gimnasia versus Racing. Now, that is a match that contains the reigning champions of Argentina, but let's face it, none of you are interested in it for that reason. No. Dan is, but Barely, he's yeah. the only one. Yeah. Um, it almost Diego seems, Maradona. Yeah, it almost yeah. seems cruel to make Diego wake up at 11 <laughs> for his very first game back. He's, he's going to have to wake up sometime before 11 if he's going to get there on time. Very possibly. Um, I'd love to see Diego, like... Bags under his eyes, shuffle in five minutes before kickoff. So, sorry, but take his place it's not edge. because I, I want to criticize him, but I don't understand why he said twice, "We are going to be back." As they are not still relegated, of course. Mm. It's it's very very hard for them to to stay at third division, but he said it twice. It's not a, a mistake that you say, "Oh, I, I was it was an error." Uh, he said, "We are going to be back." So yeah, it, it, it's, he's, he's been his usual talkative self since taking Indeed. charge, um, talking at a million miles an hour and not always perhaps paying too much attention to what he's been saying. Uh, but as you say, Andres, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a mistake because he repeated it. There was one comment he made which went something along the lines of, we don't need machine guns or pistols, we need crosses into the box and someone to poke the ball into the net. Thanks for clarifying that for us, Diego. It, you know... It's not untrue. Yep. Good, good to know that he's not going to be sending them out armed onto, um, you know, that he's not going to be taking guns to a football fight, no. as it were. That sounds like a pretty good segue for the Clásico Rosarino, to be honest. <laughs> Indeed, it, it would be. I want to talk a little bit more about Maradona first, because it's, uh, is it fitting or is it just um, destiny that he is going to be, in his very first match, back managing in the Argentine top flight, his first game doing so in 24 years, right? Um, that he's yes. going to be managing against one of the teams who he previously managed. And indeed, the only team against whom he could have been managing this weekend. Because Mandy Shu aren't in the top flight, are they? So. No, no, they're not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it makes that much difference because. Uh, oh, I don't know it's a difference. I'm just saying it's, it's poetic. It's curious, it? yeah, it's a, it's a curiosity, let's say. But um, I think. With the exception of two clubs in Primera, this uh, whoever uh, Maradona's first opponent was going to be uh, would have rolled out the red carpet and were, would, would give him a, a warm reception, let's say. Mm. Uh, those exceptions, of course, are Estudiantes and, uh, and River, yes. who aren't particularly fond of Maradona. No, for some reason. Um since we last recorded, Gimnasia have had people queuing up around the block. Apparently they filled a one membership query from Canada or somewhere, didn't they? Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> That's right, yes. I, uh, I saw it on your Twitter. Yes. That was, yeah. uh, 4,000 new um, members. And yeah. they will be allowed to go, on, go to the game on Sunday. 
In spite uh, of which, like, apparently, Trump. there are still 3,000 tickets to be sold for the game. Yeah. So if you're hanging around yeah. La Plata this weekend, try your luck. And I think we mentioned last week, right, that they could possibly uh, look to change the venue to the Estadio Unico. Well, apparently it's going to be in the Bosque. It's going to be in the Bosque because Maradona insisted it had to be in the Bosque. Oh, good for him. Because it's their home stadium and that's where they belong. Lovely stuff. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be good fun. I think at least. Indeed it is. Um, and sorry to have ruined your segue, Dan. But it was perfect. Now, it came together so well. To the Clásico of Rosarino. Uh, yesterday, or was it earlier today, some Central fans set fire to one of the walls of Newell's training complex. Um, it was a brick wall, so setting fire to it didn't do an awful lot of damage. Um, and I'm sure they were very pleased with themselves all the same. Uh, it's going to be played in Central Stadium. And... <laughs> I mean, is it going to be a decent game? It's going to be uh, intense because yes. this season, unlike others, both of them have something to play for, which is uh, avoiding relegation. Indeed. At the moment, Central are actually in the relegation zone with 67 points. And, and Newells have also got 67 points. But with uh, but game in hand. Game fewer because their game against Independiente the yes. was postponed. So yeah, um, we're used to seeing very tense, very kind of angry matches in this Clásico Rosarino and this time it's going to be even more so. I just hope, I mean, I haven't heard anything from Maxi Rodriguez's uh, grandma this time around. I hope she's she's doing okay. I suppose with, with his two cousins also being in the team this season, they've got it's a triple three, threat, right? three yeah. times as many reasons to firebomb her house or whatever. If, Indeed. If they want to. But they, as I say, they appear to have been taking out the walls of the training. So far, uh, Maxi's grand's house is... Um, has come out unscathed, but we've got to get to to Sunday first. Indeed, we have. I did hear there's going to be a big police presence around Rosario. Of course, this is a game um, which is only going to be open to home fans because I mean, Santa Fe police aren't idiots. Uh, <laughs> no, they're, they're not very pleasant. They're not they're very not pleasant, <laughs> but they're not stupid. Um, but even though there's only going to be one set of fans. Uh, there will be something along the lines of 600 police on duty in the Arrachita, the Gigante de la Arrachita, and another 200 kind of dotted around strategic locations in Rosario before and after the game to make sure uh, shit doesn't kick off. Nice little bit of overtime for them. Yeah. Especially when they can yeah. insist on providing the numbers like that. Indeed. It's always nice. Um, but yeah it will be intense as it always is it might not be particularly good but it's definitely one of the matches to watch this weekend when you sign up for Fanatis at fntz.co slash hop and use the discount code hopfz um, the other main contenders let's just remind ourselves shall we of, of who the uh, current leaders in the title race are San Lorenzo have 13 points Boca have 11 Tacheres and Lanus and Patronato bizarrely all have 10 mm. um, and then Newell's with that game in hand have started well uh, I, I, as well I think that they're well, yeah. I mean, the very point. narrow favourites but both of them have got 9 points um, Arsenal and Argentinos also have 9 points um, so the other teams in the title race then Arsenal actually kick things off they're at home to Union mm in what I would say should be a fairly dull Arsenal win but of course they are two games without a win because they won their first three and then haven't won since in fact they've lost both of them since haven't they to San Lorenzo and somebody else just before Mm -hmm. the break Um, San Lorenzo are visiting Colón which should be an interesting test for them River who are not among the teams in the front runners that I've just mentioned, but we're going to talk about them anyway for just a second, are away to Huracan in an all Buenos Aires tie. Um, uh, where are Boca? Boca are hosting Estudiantes. In, is there going to be any Maradona banter in that match, do we think? Possibly. Given that he's just taken yeah. charge of Estudiantes rivals? Maybe. Probably not. Probably but Possibly. Not. Um, Patronato away to Aldo Sibi. Um, so yeah some, there are some interesting fixtures obviously few, we'll around, get Mystic yeah. Sam in a few minutes and you'll hear what I think is going to happen in each of these um, Independiente Lanús to me looks like as a neutral uh, one of the more obviously attractive fixtures let's say of the weekend in, in, in footballing terms rather than uh, what in Spanish Spanish we might call morbo terms indeed um, do you think 
If Independiente lose that, Sebastián Becasez might be looking for a new job, or is it a little bit early it's, still? It's too early, I think, but uh, clearly that Independiente aren't playing the way that uh, the expectations were before he, he signed up, but uh, uh, yes, I think it's early still to, mm. for him to resign or to be sacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it feels like it should be a bit too early still. But, but then we've already had, what, four or five coaches given the boot already? Yeah, Crespo's gone. Maradona's coming to Gimnasia. Oh, Crespo's gone and been replaced, by the way, with uh, um, Cesar Luis, uh, Julio Cesar Falcioni. As we exclusively Again. revealed uh, last week on Hannapod. Yes, before it actually happened. We just In said, it. oh, it'll probably happen. And then it did. Um, so, you know, you heard it here first, In even it. though we were joking. <laughs> At, at first, it it's was beyond said, parody. Literally. At first, it, it was said a rumor that he will uh, be more uh, the sports director or what we call here the manager, which is mm. not the manager in, in, in English. Uh, but finally, he will be the coach, the head coach. Yeah, uh, his voice is absolute. I mean, it was never great in the, at the best of times. I, I know that he had surgery on his throat last time he was Banfield manager, but I was under the impression that the effect that it had on his voice at the time was going to be temporary and was going to heal but god in, in the unveiling his voice was absolutely <laughs> screwed um, Poor lad. anyway Lister's questions so moving on Jamie says Adolfo Gaich is now a full Argentine international having played just 11 Superliga games last season and 25 minutes so far this season do you think he deserves to be playing for the Selección already or is Scaloni getting a bit trigger happy with caps that's a little bit misleading because while he hasn't played that much for his club, he has played football in 2009 and a lot of international football he played the... 2019. Sub- what did I say? 2009. <laughs> Whatever. When he was about 10 years old. Indeed. Uh, in 2019, yes. In 2009 he played very little first team football, but if we think right at the start of the year he played the entire South American Under-20 Championships, then he had the Under-20 World Cup, he played the entire Pan American Games, and now he's played uh, for Argentina at senior level. So yeah. it's not like he's been inactive. I mean, a lot of that time he hasn't played for San Lorenzo is because he's had other engagements. And indeed, particularly as, as Jamie says, this season. I mean, part of the reason he's only played twenty five minutes this season is that, as you say, he was away with at the Pan American Games overlapped with the start of the season, so he was. Doing his part perhaps, still to, to earn that place. Yes. Perhaps the question to make is not uh, why was he called up, but why was he was called up for national team, the major team, and not the under-23. Hmm. Because Ponce was called for the under-23 team, and as soon as he is 23, he won't be called up anymore there. No. And Gaich and, 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 and will have time to improve yeah. and be eligible for, for the one, major. One thing that I wonder is, does Gaich have another passport? I, I, don't, I, I, just, I don't know the answer to the question but I did wonder when it happened especially because it was only for the last few minutes mm-hmm. and German well, yeah I mean that's what I wonder whether he's got some just any kind of dual nationality because if he has then it makes sense to you know especially the year he's having time mm-hmm. down right now um, so that it doesn't become an issue later especially if he moves to Europe I think more than anything it was a sort of reward considering you know that Scaloni said he didn't put that much stock in these friendlies. Mm. The guy who's kind of excelled, played his heart out for, for Argentina, Argentina's junior teams the entire year. So yeah, why not give him the, give him the chance to, to meet a few guys in the senior team, give him, because I think, what did he play, 30 seconds against Mexico? A little bit more. Uh, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd see it more in that way. Like, you know, kid, you've done well, have a run out, have a, have a bit of holiday in the US, get to... Get to meet a couple of the guys, you deserve it. Maradona has also uh, apparently inquired as to his availability and has been rebuffed by San Lorenzo. That would be unsurprisingly. Is that his plan B after Daniel Svella? Presumably so. Yes. Uh, apparently, at least according to his Wikipedia, which is obviously always the most reliable source this, to go to, uh, Geich does not um, have a another passport. He's only Argentine, so that wasn't the reason. It was indeed a reward. So well done him. He's earned yes. it in my opinion. Yes. Um, anyway, the, the, this thing of players uh, being called up for national team, having played very little in their teams, I think it's not that surprising now. Uh, surprising. 
uh, we have to of course recall uh, uh, perhaps a single case with um, with Macharana who we always say that he was called up for national team before playing mm. in the third division for River but uh, it's not a lot of cases that, that there are uh, to mention but you have that there one Mascherano and Emmanuel Mamana I think yeah, was the, yes. the next one that it happened with yes I remember, I remember that yes. before the 2014 World Cup because somebody got injured in, right, right before the friendly um, Arch Bell says is Beca Cese ever going to give the Pibes a shot at Independiente uh, maybe <laughs> if he is then he's not being particularly proactive about it is he no I mean it, it's a little uninspiring and, and I kind of I have to admit I, I assumed when they named him that he was going to that he was going to mm-hmm. uh, rather more I mean you can understand him not doing it defensively with DCO where the team is largely made up of players on loan or you know, coming in on short term deals from elsewhere or whatever but it, one of the teams with a, a really decent youth uh, academy and you do wonder you know we, we mentioned just a few minutes ago that he might be under some pressure um, whether that could be eased even without any real improvement in performances if he was playing some of the kids from time to time I, mean, I must admit I don't know if Independiente's kids are, are any good if they have some promising players there I mean they can't be any worse than they can't be any worse yeah but it's something that happens a lot amongst the biggest teams um, you know I've, I always go to the example of uh, Racing I think their first team that took the field last week or the week before, as it may be, against Goya Cruz, they had an average age of something ridiculous like 32 for the first 11. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a problem. It's something that we we usually go back to that um, you need to get results in... In Argentine football, more than anything now, if you've only got a league made up of um, 23 games, and it's almost kind of too much of a risk to to play these youngsters if you've got el- older players in the team who have bigger salaries and whatnot. Yeah, 31.7 apparently, 31. according to 7. Sofa Score, has started listing first 11 average age and first 11 market value. And Racing's team against Godoy Cruz was... 31.7 years old on average, yeah. I mean, I guess Lisandro Lopez, Dario Svitanich, Marcelo Diaz are pushing that average up a bit, aren't they? But nobody's a spring chicken, actually, looking at that lineup. Yeah. No, they had um, Zaracho out, who's kind of the token young player in, in the squad, usually. Uh, but yeah, yes. it's something that's, that doesn't happen a great deal. I mean, if any team can avoid it, they do avoid uh, just playing young players. Yeah. Um, but when, when the results, you're, you're not getting the results, I don't think it's time to put kids all in a sudden. Uh, of it course. depends. Sometimes a coach will just get desperate, chuck in five kids mm. and it'll work. But mm. it's either, yeah, unless they get really desperate, that, that doesn't happen. No. Uh, Perfect Tommy says, how did you spend your international break? Pretty much the same way as I spend most weeks, to be honest. Uh, working, taking care of a little kid, uh, trying to sleep whenever I can. <laughs> Not, yeah, maybe watching a little less football than usual, but yeah, yes, I, I, that's I, about I, it, really. I had a very pleasant weekend doing stuff with my girlfriend. Oh, wonderful. And, and also writing a pub quiz, doing a bit of proofreading, uh, and watching tennis. I watched both of the US Open singles finals. Oh, did you? Uh, which... I don't normally get to do. The mm-hmm. men's one is normally on the second Monday of the month, mm-hmm. uh, which coincides with the pub quiz normally. Um, and they've moved it now, so it was on Sunday. So I got to watch it. It's not always on Sunday. I thought no, it was only on Monday if it overran. No, well, for the last few years, it's always coincided with the pub quiz. I, I remember always having missed it. Is that right? Uh, yeah, they always put it on on, on the Monday night. And this, uh, it might have, they might have moved it last year, but certainly, in, if not last year, then this year they've. Shifted it to Sundays, which is nice. There you go. Andres? Yeah, I, I used to watch some US Open matches, especially the Schwarzman, Argentinian, Diego Schwarzman against Nadal. Then some of the final between Nadal and, and um, uh, Daniel Medvedev, the Russian guy. And I unfortunately missed the Argentina against Serbia game for basket. 
Oh, we've also had the Basketball World Cup to keep us occupied this this week. Yes, last, those last of us week who, or two weeks. Those of us who get up in the middle of the night. I mean, for me, it's the middle of the night. Yeah, um, I've been struggling too because I do, in fact, get up in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah. and then need to sleep until about eleven each day. Well, to, for for to normal people, it's uh, it's time to get up and. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's yeah, not yeah. Right. Normal people can can have it. You can watch a bit of it with breakfast while they, before they go to work. That's that's what I've heard. Indeed. Yes. Um, Ronnie Mazumda says, "Ecaloni's team worked well sitting deep. Do you feel that bringing Messi in will change that particular style, where the team's strength um, is defined by their best player's ability to attack and create?" rather than hitting as quickly to the other box as soon as a break happens. Um, or when a break happens. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm sorry, Ronnie, but I'm, I'm slightly confused by the, the wording. Um, but I, well, it's, I it's don't Messi think bringing change. Messi into that team is going to you know, result in a dip in performance. No. Um, and frankly, if you're saying that, that Argentina, you know, under Scaloni are playing largely on the counter, that's not that mm. different to how Barcelona are playing at the moment. I mean, or I know that a lot of the last five fans, years, yeah, almost, yeah. I know a lot of Barcelona fans aren't particularly happy about the way they're playing at the moment, but it's not as if Messi isn't used to um, used to that. And in fact, I start, I'm starting to wonder now whether, given what we were saying about Argentina's midfield earlier, whether they might be in a slightly better position to get in the ball, ironically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the big problem for Argentina over the last few years is that they've had a team which was essentially too slow to play on the counter. Um, now it seems that they've got a little bit of pace in, in that team and they can get the ball forward quickly. Mm. Um, and there's yeah, there's no reason why, why Messi can't play like that. It's As Sam rightly says, it's how he's played a, a lot of matches over the years for, for Barcelona. Of course, Messi will be in and the ball out, I think. And uh, the, the thing to see there is whether the uh, Paredes and the Paul will continue with that circuit that you mentioned, which is fluent, or they will change their, of course, uh, uh, and pass the ball to Messi just uh, rapidly. I think it will be. I mean, I, I think that the evidence of the Copa America, when Messi was involved with the team, suggests that they were they were starting to develop this partnership then, um, and and so I, I think that they can develop nicely together with him in the team. Mm. Obviously, we're not going to see him in the next bunch of internationals either. We'll, we'll see him in the new year. Um, By the but, way, yeah, I, I, the the Paredes and and, and the Paul uh, pair of of well midfielders. Uh, it's all great to Scaloni, I think, mm. uh, uh, because of course it's uh, the lack of experience is important. But at this time, I think uh, they are friendly. It's okay that uh, we can take that. I, yes, Argentina will win things with this team, but uh, it's important to see things that he is doing and, and, and are good for the team. Yeah, um, and David Novashevsky has the final question for us this week. He says, what did Scaloni do differently against Mexico? I assume he means in comparison with the Chile game. I wasn't able to watch, but it wasn't as if that was a weak Mexico side. 4-0 at half-time is no joke. Um, part of it, as we mentioned, is that it was a very... I mean, on paper, it wasn't a weak Mexico side. But on the pitch, they played as if they were a weak Mexico side. Um, and some of the changes actually were, were sort of enforced because, as, as we said, Lo Celso, um, picked up an injury uh, so he, he had started against Chile um, I don't think he was bad against Chile but he, he wasn't as up for it as Palacios clearly was to try and prove a point um, and I wonder whether that helped with it and, and also just the, the defence in spite of the presence of Marcos Rojo um, seemed to be a little bit happier with, with playing the ball out it was just a bit more coherent uh, building from the back uh, it was helped by, as I say, as we say, a pathetic Mexico performance. Yes, myself. But the, the attacking shape was different as well, wasn't it? Because against Mexico, Lautaro was up front with was Dybala starting against yes. Mexico? Yes. Yeah. Um, and and with McAllister and, and and the other three that we've already talked a lot about behind them in midfield, and against Chile. 
Remind oh. me how the attack lined up against Chile, God. Lautaro was playing. Uh, Dybala, I think, was in there as well. And... Oh, Christ. Give me a second. See, this is how memorable that Chile game was. When we say it wasn't a classic, we're really not kidding. Uh, oh, God, this is... Oh, OK, that's not... Argentina's most recent games that I thought I was going to on the app. It is Argentina's most recent games, but they're not mentioning friendlies. So, give me a second. Leagues. World. International friendly games. Matches. Right, Argentina. Ah. Argentina-Chile. So the lineup for Argentina-Chile was with... Uh, it was a 4-3-3. Martinez... Dybala and Joaquin Correa. Oh, yes. Who did a couple of interesting things, but I don't... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think the motivation was... It appeared to be the biggest difference yes. to me. But Lochelso was sort of a little bit umming and ahhing, and, and, and Correa, as Dan says, wasn't bad, wasn't great. Um, and also, I mean, you know, credit to Chile as well. Chile are a better team than Mexico. They're very strong at the back. Um, yeah, they don't give many goals away. It, it was, as we said at the start, it was a very dull game to watch as fans, but that's not to say we couldn't learn anything from it. Um, and, and so I, I just think that ultimately they, they were playing a different team. <laughs> they were playing a weaker team. Yes. And that's the biggest difference. Um, we're going to do Mystic Sam now. I forgot to ask for any challenges, uh, so I'm going to be doing it on my own. Um, but if you want to play against me in your head, then you're more than welcome. But before we go to Mystic Sam, I'm going to reveal to you, if you've been thinking about it all episode long, or oh, the second half of the episode, Argentina's most capped outfield player to have not scored for Argentina. Stop doing that now. It's a drummer. Yes, I know this, but the microphone doesn't know that. It doesn't affect the sound levels. Argentina's most capped player to not have scored for Argentina from an outfield position with 61 appearances. It's in joint second place with 60 each are Roberto Sensini and Jorge Olguin. I almost said Sensini. Yeah, didn't 60 matches, no goals, but 61 games without a goal. And he could still add to it because he hasn't actually retired yet. Mm-hmm. Although, I'd be, given what we've said about the midfield in this episode, I'd be quite surprised if he plays another game for Argentina at this stage. It's Fernando Gago. I got Gago when... From your description earlier when you said it was a midfielder and a couple of the other things you said. Of course you did. I did, I swear. No, when you said two teams in Argentina, three in Europe. Yep. It's currently, of course, with just starting his second spell at Vélez and yes. having returned from injury very recently. Um, on that note, here's Mystic Sal. Okay, as we said earlier, there are some interesting looking games this weekend. I think lots of them are going to be away wins. I've just scribbled down my predictions and now I'm looking at them and wondering if I've predicted a few too many away wins, actually. Uh, Here we go. Arsenal versus Union. Get us going on Saturday lunchtime. I think that's going to be an Arsenal win. I think they're going to arrest that run of two consecutive losses. Godoy Cruz versus Argentinos. I've just realised is the only draw that I'm predicting this weekend. In Mendoza. Uh, Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero. I think we'll get a win at home to Defensa y Justicia. Um, I think that San Lorenzo will get an away win over Colón. River will get an away win over Huracán. Racing, I think, are going to spoil Diego Maradona's party with a win. Tacheres um, will beat Banfield in Banfield. Newells, I'm making, as I said earlier the favourites to win the Clásico Rosarino Um, Lanús will get an away win over Independiente Boca Juniors are at home to Estudiantes and I think that Boca will win that Aldo Civi I think are going to get a home win over Patronato and in the final match of the weekend on Monday which is not the weekend but you know what I mean uh, I think that Vélez will beat Atletico Tucumán in Liniers yeah that sounds plausible Um, there are plenty of understatedly interesting looking matches this weekend I think it's fair to say yes obviously so. Uh, so if you are going to take advantage of that Fanatis offer and sign up this weekend then no, it's a weekend yeah as we already said 
Um, the matches to catch for sure uh, Himasia versus Racing, Central versus Newells, and some others. Independiente, Lanús, Boca, Estudiantes, Huracan versus River all look potentially entertaining to me. And also, Venice versus Atletico. If Atletico actually turn up, it could be a decent yes, bit of time as well. It's strange how they are not very solid or regular, uh, taking into account that Polsilinski is one of those coaches you, you that he has achieved this of staying at the team during a long time because yeah. he he gets that solid solidness or rockiness. But well, we will see. Indeed, we will. Um, the reminder again of the address to go to is fntz.co slash hop and the discount code if you want to sign up for Fanatis is hopfz. We should also say thank you very much to our wonderful patron supporter, Patreon supporters, uh, patron, Patreon patrons, patron patrons. Um, who will shortly be getting a lovely new Hand of Pod Extra. You get plenty of extra content each week. Uh, if you go over to patreon.com slash handofpod and sign up, give us $5 of your money a month, and in return, we will talk at you for a bit longer and in slightly more drunken fashion because we record it right after we've been recording this. Yeah, uh, the advantage there is... We're usually about on our third fernet, so yes. it gets yes. interesting sometimes. We, we indeed will be on our third fernet quite shortly. Andres doesn't because he doesn't drink as much as we yes. do. But, but no, I, I, will, I was going to say that the advantage of, of subscribing to Patreon, Patreon is that... Uh, not only you get content that you don't get if you don't pay, is that you you also can decide whether we are going to talk about because you can uh, tell us what you are you, what you want us to talk about. Indeed, you can. Uh, if you are a patron, then please let us know. We're always after new ideas. Anyway, for now, it's thank you very much for listening and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. English down. Goodbye and thank you very much for listening. And me, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>